Begin the current Tav, Sachtis Baba Kama, Dav Kof Kimmel. Begin 17 lines down with the Tav of the Yaman. The Gemara continues and concludes the discussion of the previous Tav. That is, there was a there was a there were two brises that were contradictory to each other that the Gemara introduced because the first resolution of that contradiction was that of Rabbi Yechanan, which was basing it upon the Machlekes in our Mishnah. That is, if, a, if a, someone sent a shliach, he was paying him the money, he was giving him the seed money, and he said, we'll go 50-50, you buy chitin, and instead he ended up buying siren. Or you buy siren, he ended up buying chitin. So one brisa says, if there's an increase in the profit because of the change, that goes to the shliach, who deviated. And the other one says, no, the haisiru is la'emtza. They split the profits. So Rabbi Yechon answered, The first brisa is like Rabbi of our Mishnah, who says that she knew kaina. And therefore, since he changed from the chitin and instead he bought siren, or siren and he bought chitin, so then it's all going to be his gain. He'll have to just compensate the guy who gave him the money for the money itself, but the increase is his. The second price, so he see where the is going to be who the Mishnah holds that no, shinu is not kaina, and that the increase therefore has to be shared between the two of them. On that, and Eretz Yisrael, they laughed on this interpretation of Yechon according to the second price of Rabbi Yehuda, who says they share it. The words that they used were, Who's going to notify the owner of the wheat who's selling it? That he should be acquiring the wheat to the owner of the money who it's going back to, to say that they split it 50-50. In other words, according to Rabbi Yechon's interpretation, that it is a deviation. And therefore, essentially, the shleich is not anymore an agent of the mishaleach, of the seed money guy, because he's not doing what he told him to do. Yet, however, he wanted to say, according to Behuda, since Shinu is not kaina, so therefore he doesn't acquire the benefit. But the question that they're asking is, but who is exactly giving the other 50% of the profits to the mishaleach if he's not doing any more what was asked of him to do? So he's not a shleich. And moreover, the balachidin who's selling them the wheat, which is where the profit's from, doesn't know of the Balamois because he's not the Meshalech anymore. That was the question they asked him in his interpretation. Essentially, what it means to say is that someone who's being mocked into something has to be aware of, especially if we're deviating, it's not exactly the Shleich's not doing what he was sent to do, he's deviating. If he's being mocked he has to know of that person to be mocked at him. If he doesn't, then it's considered as if it's not going to that person, and rather it would be only going to the one who he's selling it to or the one that he's paying it to. And therefore, that was their question. How can you say, according to Behuda, Hesirus Lamsa has it going back to the ritual owner? Now, relating to that halacha, the Gemara tells the following incident. Rav Kahana Yoab Zuza Akisana. Rav Kahana gave money, a Zuz, for flax, and he left it there by the person who sold it to him. Lasaif Ayakr Kisna. Later on, flax ended up going up in price. So, Zavne Marvase de Chisna. So, the owner of the flax, who had already sold it to Rav Kahana, but he saw there was a major opportunity here that the price of flax went, went, went so high. So he sold it with the intention to give the monetary gain to Rav Kahana. Rav Kahana had bought it, but let me, let me cash in for him and sell it for him, and he'll make all that profit. So also coming to Rav, so Rav Kahana came in front of Rav. He said, what should I do? Should I go take that money? Meaning I paid one zuz. Now there's like 50 zuz in there because the guy sold it for such a it's skyrocketed flax and he sold it for me. Now he cashed in. Could I, could I go ahead and take that money? So Rav said to Rav Kahana, If at the time that it was sold, they said, This is Kahana, meaning Rav Kahana's flax. If that's what they notified the buyer at that time, well then Zilshka, then go ahead and take the money. 
Viloi, but if not, Loi Tishkel, don't go ahead and take the money because that has the appearance of ribas, of, of interest. Because here it is, you gave one zuz, now you take back 50 zuzin. That is what ribas is. And therefore, since when you, they sold it, it wasn't being sold with the intention as if it was yours, it was being sold as if it was the guy who was selling you the flax who ended up selling it to someone else. It's like you gave him money and he gave you back money, which is you had lent him a, a zuz, and now he's giving you back 49 more than what you gave him. If when they sold it, they said, it's Kahan, is, he was essentially acting as your agent, and it was, that guy was being magnet to you, so it does not have no interest. It's not coming from that guy who you bought it from. It's coming from this other third party who was buying it. He was, he was giving you the money to you. But if they didn't notify, then it's going through that guy, so it's like you lent him a zuz, and you're getting back 50, which is ribbis. Now, and that asked Gemara, come on. Who's Rav going like? Kibbenei Marava de Amri? Is it going like those Bnei Marava, which we quoted, which we just mentioned before from the free, previous staff, that they said in, in Tainat Rabbi Yechanan, they said, Who's notifying the owner of the wheat? He said he should be acquiring the wheat to the owner of the money. And that is that we should say, in this situation, who notified the purchasers that they should be making their money to Rav Kahana? No one told them. In other words, that was the two options Rav, Rav said to Rav Kana. If they told them, so they know, so they're being makna the money to you. But if no one told them, so therefore, although essentially it was your flags, but they weren't being makna their monies to you, they were makna to the guy who was selling it to them. Therefore, Rav Kana was not saying in that. Therefore, that's what Rav was telling him, that go, don't go ahead and take that money then, because then it appears like ribbis. So that's the Gemara asking, is that who Rav is going like? Rav is going like the Bnei Marava? So that the Gemara responds, that actually, why should we care regarding the hakna of the lekech, of the one who bought the flax at this high price from the seller, why should we care who he's being makna the money to? And that is because, do you think Rav Kahana was, was, in, has the, was ultimately destined to take the money, and therefore it's like you're saying he's taking ribbis? Explains the Gemara, this contention that Rav's like the name of cannot be correct. Because, what do you think, Rav Kahana gave four zuz and now he's taking back eight zuz? In other words, that's not what he planned on doing. When he gave the money to the guy who told him the flax, he, he, that, he wasn't taking money back. He was planning on taking his flax. Wherever it is, it was his flax. And to the contrary, when the flax went up in price, it went up by itself, and it was his, wherever it was. Now, these people who sold it, instead of giving it to him, who he, had, he already bought a long time ago, they stole it from him, and they have to pay the entire value of it, even if it's as high price, as much of it's worth at the time that they stole it, which was at the time when they sold it to that third party. Because it's not, as we learned in the Mishnah Tzad, the Gimel Beis, says, All robbers, they have to pay at the moment it was, it was worth when they stole it. Now, at this time, when they stole it, so to speak, the guy who already sold it to him, who ended up selling it to someone else, was at the high price. So therefore, says the Gemara, how could you contend to say that we makes a difference to us? Who is it, the guy who is buying it, that he has to be maknit to Rav Kahana, and if he doesn't know about him, he's not being maknit to him? What is, it has nothing to do with that guy. It has to do with the guy who sold it. He's the robber who's selling it to this third party without Rav Kahana's permission. He, that's, that's the moment of theft. Nothing with ribis. He has to go ahead and pay him back the, how much it was worth when it was stolen, which was this high price, let's say, of 50 zuz or 8 zuz. 
So rather, Ami, they said that can't be there for what, what Rav's halacha was, because then that wouldn't make a difference if they notified the, sell, the, the purchaser or they didn't notify him. That shouldn't be the reason to allow him. Either way, he should be allowed to get from the seller, who was considered gaslin in the sense of selling without permission, should always have to pay him that high price amount. So rather, Ami, they said that in Rav's case with Rav Kahana, Hasam Amon and therefore, again, that's what the Gemara introduced it because seemingly it would sound like the Rav was saying like B'nai Marava. Then the Gemara says, obviously, that's not because that wouldn't make sense why it would depend if they notified the purchaser at that time or not. Rather, it's a whole different case, unrelated. Hasam Amonahavya. There, what's, it, it, when Rav Kana gave the money, it was what's called with Amona, with trust. And that is because at that moment when he gave the money, they didn't even have flax. And therefore, Rav Kahana didn't do Mashiach, didn't do any acquisition. He never acquired flax at that moment when he paid. Rather, what he did was, he just made a stipulation, I'm giving you the money, because now the prices are low, and I want to have that, um, I have credit, I have buying power by you, according to the low price right now, so that the whole year you should have to give me flax according to this low price. As the Mishnah teaches, that if there's a certain market value, you're allowed to evaluate that amount, even though that the guy who's selling it to you doesn't have it, but since there are other people that have, therefore that's considered as if, he, as if you already bought it from him, because since he could access it, and therefore all year round, he's going to have to deliver it to you on the cheaper price. Now since that's the case, the Gemara explains, Varav, that said it was forbidden for him to take the money, again, if they didn't notify the, bur- the purchaser, that it was Rav Kahana's flax that they're selling, was Litadme. It was going according to his reasoning. Because as Rav says, You're allowed to do this, what we mentioned about purchasing on trust, that the guy could give money for the cheaper, mar- the cheaper price right now to get it at a later point in time. That's only Bepirus. That's only regarding produce that you'll get it when it's more expensive, even though you paid it now and it's cheaper time. But you're not allowed to go ahead and do this purchasing on trust when it comes to receiving money in return. Which is, if let's say he paid at the cheaper price, and then when it's more expensive, when it's, he should be getting pay risk, that's where it's forbidden for the seller to give him the monetary value of it right now. Because that looks like ribbis, because he gave him two slum and he's taking back four slum. That's the reason why he had nothing to do with the B'nai Marava because of the purchaser that he doesn't know and therefore doesn't go back. Nothing to do with that. Here the halacha is based purely on a seller and a buyer. When there's two parties, when you give him the money for the cheaper price, then when Rav Kahana was getting back from them what he was supposed to get his flags, that's what Rav, that's what Rav had said. Look, if the purchaser knew, so then he's being mocked at you. That's fine. That's, that was your thing that they sold. You're getting really your flags. It's just that now a third party bought their flags from you. But if they didn't notify, then it's going to the seller. Then the seller is giving you back what? He's giving you back money. Now that's a problem because of you and the seller, not because of that third party. That's because since you're giving him two and you're taking back four slime, that's the problem of doing amana b'dam. You can only do amana b'peris. And that's why Rav had said it's forbidden for Afghanistan to take the money in that situation, but unrelated to the concept of the Bnei Marava. Now the Gemara continues with the next Mishnah, again continuing with the theme of the previous Mishnah, regarding the halacha of a gazlan, about a, a robber, Moreover, regarding this halacha of an oath, which is regarding this liability that the Tain Tainas Ganav has, only if he denies a claim, and he swears and then he admits, then he's liable to the certain knasim, the penalty that the Torah prescribes for somebody 
that steals something. So says the Mishnah, If someone steals something from his friend worth a pruta, which is the minimum amount of this halacha, and then he swears falsely, and then he admits, So then he has to go, and go all the way after that guy, even to madai, in other words, that he doesn't have the full atonement until he returns the money to the guy that it was stolen from himself. Like the Pasik says, La that for the one that it's his, as it says in Bikr Hey, which that's in the context of the of Nishbalashek, when someone swears falsely about something that he stole, instead of having two witnesses who catch him, which then you pay careful, when he admits on his own, then he has to go ahead if he swore first and then he admits, then he has to go ahead and give back to Gzela and have the Chaimish, have all these related halachas. But moreover, the kapara is only if you go after that person and give him back the, the money that you stole itself. Now, moreover, the Mishnah says, you, You're not allowed to. You don't have this allowance of giving the money back to his son or to his agent. In other words, which someone that he just sent, not as the Shleich Shalom Kamaisei principle, but the reason why you can't give it to them to deliver it to the one who stole from is because if something annoying this happens on the way, he's going to still have to reimburse the person because it's not going to be returned until it reaches his hand, as we explain, as the Pasik says, Avil says the Mishnah, but you're allowed to give it to an agent of the courts, and that's a rabbinic injunction, which the rabbis did because of what's called Takana Sashavim, to allow people to repent, because if he's going to have to spend a lot of money on, the, on traveling expenses all the way to Monday, he's not going to want, if he stole a dollar, it's going to take him, cost him a thousand dollars to get to Monday, it's not going to want to repent, so therefore that we made an allowance with the course that you can give it to the Shleich Basin. Now, it says the Mishnah, if the guy he stole from died, so then Yachsis and then the, the robber should return the Liyarshav to the inheritors of the Nigzal of the one that was stolen from. Now, other halachas, let's say he gave the one he stole from the principal, but he didn't give him the fifth, which we said is the halacha that applies when he swears falsely, and then he admits that you have to give an additional fifth of the principal. So he gave him the karen, but not the chaymish. Or, he forgave him regarding the principal after that he had really admitted, after swearing falsely, then he admitted, which that, therefore he's liable for the karen and the chaymish, but, but he didn't forgive him on the fifth. Or, or he forgave him both for the principal and for the fifth, except for something that's less than the Shavu Pruta in the principle. So all these cases, she the halacha that ain't the doesn't have to go after him, although Tamadai, because the halacha applies to the principle. And in all these cases we just described, there wasn't at least the Shavu Pruta of Karen that he still owed him. Now, however, let's say, let's say he gave him the fifth, but not the principle. Or he forgave him for the fifth, but he didn't forgive him regarding the principle. Or he forgave him for both, except for at least if there's still a worth of a pruta in the principle that he didn't forgive him. So all these share in common that you have to go after him again because there is at least a pruta in all these cases of Karen that he owes him, which is the Allah of Lashehulai. Now the Mishnah says, If let's say he paid him the principle, after that he swore falsely and then he admitted, which therefore he's liable in the principal and the fifth. So he paid him up the principal, but v'nishbalai. Then he swears a second time falsely, al hachaymish, regarding the fifth, that he swore, oh, I already paid you the fifth. But then he actually ended up admitting, he says, no, I swore falsely on that fifth. I actually didn't pay you that fifth. So now the Mishnah continues, Amad Beis, harizim al chaymish. Now you have to pay a fifth on that fifth, because the first fifth, 
once there was a liability in the courts, became its own principle. Now when you swear falsely on that fifth, now you have a chaymish on that chaymish. So says the Mishnah, if let's say he gives him that first fifth, but then he swears regarding that second fifth that he, he swears falsely that he gave it to him and he really didn't, and then he admits, then he has to pay a fifth of that, which is, and that continues at infinitum, until it diminishes the principle of the fifth that he's not going to be denying at least Mishavapruta from Shavapruta. In other words, if there's a fifth of, of 100, so you got 20, then you have a fifth of that, which is 4, and then you have a fifth of that. It keeps on going down and down and down. If every time on that other fifth that you denied, then you have to pay a new fifth. You deny that one, and then you admit, then you have to pay a fifth on that until it diminishes, until it's less than the Shavapruta, which that's not a Karen that you're chayiv for a chaymish. Says the Mishnah, this halacha of what we spoke about of the chaymish, when someone steals something and swears falsely and then admits, which you chayiv for the chaymish, the same halacha applies also by a deposit. When the person says, and where's my thing? He makes a tiny, tiny discount. He says, what do you want? It was stolen from me, which is essentially himself stealing it. Then he, after he swears falsely, he admits it's the same halacha and all the, all the related halachas of our Mishnah would apply so too by a deposit. Shemak, it says, a pasik in the Yikra, it says, it says there in the pasik in the Yikra, Perakei, pasik of Aleph, leading into pasik of Beis, it says, Nefesh ki sechata, a soul that will sin, umolam al Hashem, and commit an act of treason to Hashem, and that the chichish ba misa, if it will deny by his friend, bepikadin, either by deposit, meaning halai, say, I don't really have it, it was stolen from me, or with a placing of the hand, which refers to a loan, or with or robbery, which refers to holding back the payment of a hired laborer, or he finds a lost object and then he denies that. Regarding all these cases, where he swears falsely, he says, I don't owe this guy money, I don't have this loan, I don't have this deposit, I don't have this lost object, and then he admits, that applies as the halacha is by regular robber. So to hear these are considered he has to pay the principal and the fifth and the carbon asha. Now the Gemara asks regarding the, 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 the authorship of our Mishnah. The Mishnah made it sound like that all these halachas only apply nishbaloi. If he swore to him, then in, yes, then he has to travel to Madai to pay him back what he stole from him. But if he didn't swear to him falsely and then admit, then he doesn't have to travel all the way till he reaches him, all the way till he gets it to his hands and deliver it to him in Madai. So it says, ask the Gemara Mani, who's the town of a Mishnah? Loyab Tafrin, Loyab Akiva, the town like Luna Brisa, which actually they're Magia, that it's a Mishnah, Mishnah, Yuvamis. The Mishnah says, Gazel Echad Mechamisha, if someone steals something from one of five people, they need the Ezman, but he doesn't know which one of these five is the one that he stole from. Vachal Echad Oimer, Oisi Gazel, and actually all five of them are saying, it's from me that you stole. So the halacha is, Maniach Gizel B'Neim, or Mestalik Divir B'Tafrin. Tafrin says, what you do is, you put the stolen object that you stole in front of all the five people, and you go away. Let them fight over it, but I definitely didn't steal from five people. So you just put it in front of them, and you leave. Rabbi Kiva, he says, Lo'izu derech metziasim de'aver. He says, this is not the path that removes a person from sin. Achisham Gizel, Cholach Avecha, until he pays back the theft to every single one. The reason being is because Hashabas Agzela has to be returned to the guy's hand himself. So it doesn't help that you put it in front and say whoever it is should take it, because maybe someone else is going to take it. You have to give it back to the one you stole from. You don't know. It's your own bad mazel. You have to go ahead now and give it to each one. So ask the Gemara, Mani, who's the town of our Mishnah? And that is Erev Tarifin, if the town of Mishnah is Erev 
then it would seem like that Afagav the Ishta Beya, even if a guy swore falsely, it would sound like Rabbi would hold that you could still pull the th- put the theft in, in front of them and still remove yourself because you don't have to give it to his hands. It's enough if you just place it there because the owner is there and you did that. So why in our mission, if you swore falsely, would you have to go all the way to mother to give it to his hand? Seemingly, even if you know who it is, it doesn't make a difference. Even if you swore falsely, you just go ahead and you, and you give it to, and, and you just put it in front where he can, where he can access it and have to give it to his hand itself. And if it's Rebbe Kiva, then Avakav Deloish Tabeh. Then even if he did not swear falsely, Omar, he says, He says, until you pay the theft to every single person. That has nothing to do with it, even if you stole. You didn't swear falsely. You got to do Hashavah's Zegzele. Even without that, there's a Chaymish and an Ashram. You got to give it back to who you stole from. So why our Mishnah that makes it sound like that it's only if you swore falsely, then you got to go back. Who is that like? Either Reb wouldn't require... To, even if you swore falsely, and Rekiva would require it even if you did not swear falsely. So it says the Gemara, the Bekiva. Truthfully, the Tanah of Mishnah is like Rebekiva, which Rashi points out the reason why the Gemara initially attempts it to be like Rebekiva is because generally the, the Stam Tanoic sources, whether it be a Mishnah or a Brisa, would be going like Rebekiva, as the Gemara says, and ended up because all the five students of Rebekiva were the ones that ended up becoming Stam Sefra, is this, Stam Mishnah, this. All the stamis were old students of Akiva. So therefore, if we have a stam Mishnah, we would want to, uh, to entertain that that is going like Rebbe Kiva. So says the Gemara, the Tanah of Mishnah is Rebbe Kiva. Now, Bechikam Rebbe Kiva. When did Rebbe Kiva say in this Mishnah, that the only way you could do Hashavah's Akzela, return the theft, is until you give it to every single person of those five people, because it has to reach his hand. That was only where he swore falsely. You're right, if you didn't swear falsely, like our Mishnah is inferring, then you wouldn't have to give it to their hands. Rebbe Kiva is only talking about where he swore falsely to all five. My time, what's the reason that it's only over there that you have to give it back to his hand? Because the Amakro, because the Pasuk says, in the Yukra, Perkei Pasuk of Dalid, says, or regarding anything that he swore falsely, you've got to give back the principle. And you have to add on the fifth. For the one who is that it is, yes, you have to give it to him on the day of, of his negligence, of his, of his penalty. Which you see, where do you have the halacha la'ashehu You have to return it to him himself, to his hand. That's in the context of Yishav al-Avlashakar. When you swear falsely, that's where the halacha is, to give it back to his hands. But when you didn't swear, then your Kiva would agree that you don't have to give it back to each one of those five. So they were the town of Mishnah, like your Kiva. Now, Reb Tarifin, however, he would tell you, no, Avagav Dishtabeya, even if he swore falsely, the rabbis made a takana, which we mentioned before, takana sashavim, which is an institution to allow people to repent, which here, where he's in doubt, doesn't know which one of the five. The rabbis don't want to have to pay all five because he's not going to do tshuva then because I'm not paying every five of them when I only stole from one. So it's enough to place it down in front of them and let them go ahead and fight it over. The Tanakh in the Brisa that there's this concept of takana sashavim regarding someone that wants to return theft. As when the Bryce says, There was a great takana that they made regarding someone that stole and swore falsely and admitted, where let's say if the guy who he stole from is not here, that although it says, that you have to turn into his hands, that the Rabbana were misakin. If the expenses of the traveling is going to be more than the principal itself, and then you can pay the principal and the fifth to the courts, and that the courts will hold on to it until the guy, the victim comes and takes it. Or maybe the, the Gazlan himself 
could bring his carbon ashram and he gets an atonement. So therefore, Rabbi Tarifan says the same thing is over here, where even if he swore falsely, which generally has to be Lashahulai, we said that you don't have to give it to the person himself. That was the Takana Drabana. But Rabbi he would tell you, when did the rabbis do a takana? Yes, Rabbi Kiva agrees that there's takana sashavim. We want people to repent, and therefore we make certain leniencies for the return of what was stolen. But says Rabbi Kiva, that was heichid liyod gasli. That's where you know who you stole from. Where you're going to end up returning the money to the owner, at a later point in time, the courts will return to him. So there Rabbi Kiva says, I agree to that, that takana dirabanan, which is mentioned in our Mishnah 2, that you could go ahead and give it to the courts. You don't have to travel after him to Madai. But Gazel, Echad Mecham when he stole, like the Machlekes he has with Tripta from the Mishnah Mesach Zivamas, when he stole of one of five people, he doesn't know who he stole from, within a money's never necessarily ever going to get back to the original guy he stole from. There says, Rabbi Kibbal, the rabbis did not make a Takana, therefore he says he has to go ahead and give it back to every one of those five, again, in the case of when he swore falsely, because that's the only, weird, only place where we said applies the halacha of Lashehu Loi, which again, therefore, the halacha of Amishnah is like Rabbi Kiva, which is that only when you swear falsely, then you have to give it back to the guy himself, which again, that, that's because that's where the Pasad Lashehu Loi, and Rabbi Tarfin agrees that's where the halacha is said. However, he said, but the Takana Drabanan allows for a dispensation that you don't have to give it to each one of those five. On that, Rabbi Kiva disagrees and says, no, that this Takana Drabanan, you don't have to give it to the hand itself, is only when we know who the guy is. So he'll end up getting it. But when it's five people, you don't know who he's going to get it, then you have to give it to each one of those five. Now, this interpretation that the town of Mitzvah Rabbi Kiva, the Gemara says, Masar Rav Huna by Yehuda. He asks from the following Brisa, which has a certain interpretation in this Machlech Rabbi Kiva Rabbi Tarfan, but from that, we'll see that it's not, it's not possible to say this interpretation that our Mishnah is Rabbi Kiva, that is the whole Machlech Rabbi Kiva Rabbi Tarfan is only when there was a Shvul HaSheker, that they swore falsely. As he brings, the Bryce says, Amr Shimon Lazar. He qualifies, and he says, Loi nech Rabbi Kiva, there is no Machlech Rabbi Tarfan Rabbi Kiva, al shalokach echad mechamesha. Let's say somebody bought something from one of five people, he doesn't know which one he bought from. He was in the shuk. There was five different sellers. And he ended up taking an object. And he doesn't know who it is. Now he has to pay up to the guy. And each guy is saying, you bought from me. So it's regarding there, it says, that everyone would agree, you just put the money of the purchasing price in between them, and you remove yourself. Now the reason for that is, why he says that no one disagrees over this, because since the guy, the purchaser, didn't do anything wrong, didn't do any isser, so it's enough like that, because the whole halacha of lashehu loi, that you have to give back to the guy that you took it from, was only said in the place where you sinned, where it was regarding theft, where they, you need to have an atonement. So Alman Nechelku says, so regarding what case did they disagree? Like how it was referenced there in the Mishnah Sech He's just qualifying, as we'll actually see a Tana shortly, that actually disagreed with Rabbi Shemalaz and holds that the Machlikas was not only by theft, but even by purchasing. But Rabbi Shemalaz says that only they, they, they agree by a purchase that you could just put in front. The Machlikas was regarding the case of theft where he stole from one of five people. Now, the Enidem, Ezeb and Gaza, doesn't know who he stole from. Where it's there, Sherb Tarfin, Aymer, Menich, Demegzele, Benayim, Mastalak. There, Rabbi Tarfin says, Again, as we quoted this Machlik, it's that you could just put the money in front of them and, and move and, and remove yourself. Whereas Rabbi Kiva said that no, he doesn't have any rectification until he gives the, the amount of what he stole to every one of those five people. Now, on that asks Rav, Rav Huna Bar Yehuda, 
If you would entertain, like the Gemara just previously said, that the whole halacha of Rebbe Kiva with his dispute, Rebbe Tarfin, and that's how we were able to say that the time of Mishra Rebbe Kiva is only after that he swore falsely, that's when the halacha is, you have to give it to the guy's hand. Mali lakach, mali gazlos. Now what's the difference in the two cases that Rebbe is saying regarding if he purchased, and he doesn't know who he purchased from, or he stole, either way, he's swearing falsely, Either one, he's saying, I didn't steal from you, and then he's admitting. Or he's saying, I didn't buy from you, and then he's admitting. Now, it's regarding the swearing falsely that the Pasuk said, That's not just regarding the theft. Whether he steals or whether it's by the case of Tzumas Yad, which are all the cases that he, it, it came to his hand permittedly, whether it be because of a deposit or of a loan. But when he denies owing that, it's regarding that lie that the terrorist says, when you give it back to the guy you lied to, with a chaymish, with a carbon ashram, you got to give a lasher holo to his hands. So then why would Rabbi Shemalaza say the halacha of Rabbi does not apply to when he just purchased? Either way, you're saying it's someone after a, a shavu, a lasher, which re- should require lasher holo. That's one question. Another question that Rava asks is from the following b'risa. The b'risa says, There was an incident with a certain pious individual. That he bought something from amongst two people, two sellers. He doesn't know who he bought from. A bowl of neighbor tarfin, they came from the river tarfin. So, what should I do? I'm not paying for both of them. Both of them are claiming I bought it from them. So, the river tarfin said to him, Put your, the purchasing price in between the two of them and remove yourself. When they came in from the river kiva, Amalei said to him, You have no rectification until you pay each and every one of them. Now this is, as Rashi points out, the Tana of this Chassid Echa, of this Bryce, is obviously disagreeing with Rabbi Shemulazu, who holds in Rabbi Kiva that the Allah would apply even by purchasing, not just by theft. But be that as it may, Rav says, if you're entertained to say that the whole Allah of Rabbi Kiva was only said regarding when the person first wears falsely, because if not, yeah, you're saying your Bikiva is like the town of a Mishnah. That he doesn't have to return the theft, La Shehulai, if he didn't swear falsely. He wouldn't have to give it to the hands. So if you're entertaining that, that Rebbe Kiva is talking about only after he swear falsely, it said it was a story of one pious individual. The whole halacha you're saying only applies, which is Rebbe Kiva's stringency, to have to give it to each one only after Shavu Shekar. How are you calling him a chassid if he swore falsely first? Now, if you're going to say that first he swore falsely, then he repented and he became a chassid, which a person could do tshuva and even grow and become greater, on that, the Gemara asked, but we know that wherever the Brisa brings, that there was a story with a pious individual, either Rabbi Huda ben Bava, or Rabbi Huda ben Bava. Now, Rabbi they were always pious individuals. They weren't once sinners and then repentant. So how can you say that the Machlekes, Rabbi Kiva, and Rabbi Tarfin is only after you swore falsely, and that's how you're saying the town of Mishnah is like Rabbi Kiva, because you first need to have a shvua, and then you have the obligation of Lashe Hulai. But then we have these two questions. One, first of all, then what would be the difference according to the first Tanoic source that we bring down, the first Bryce of Shemalaza, that would differentiate them between purchasing or between theft? Either way, there's that lie of Sheker, which requires Lashe Hulai. And then you have Rabbi's question, which is then how do you have a Chasid Echad being told by Rabbi Kiva that he has to give it back to each one, which that halacha you said just only applies when he has a shvul shaker, and the chasid echad is not doing a shvul shaker. So then the Gemara says, you're right. Tan of a Mishnah cannot be like Rabbi Kiva. Rather, the Tan of a Mishnah is Rabbi Tarfin. That when it's said in the Mishnah that you have to have the shvul shaker first, and then you have to give it to the guy's hand, 
That's like Rabbi Tarfim, because according to Rabbi Kiva, you're right. Even if he didn't swear falsely, you still would have to go ahead and give it to that person's hands as we brought. The Chassid Echad didn't swear falsely, and so Rabbi Kiva mandated he gives it to his hand. Now, but a Maid Rabbi Tarfim, Although Rabbi Tarfim was of the opinion, as we mentioned before, that he holds you don't have to give it to the guy's hand, that actually, to the contrary, we first tried interpreting the Machlekes and Yavam as only after Shavua, now we're saying actually the Machlekes is when you didn't have the Shavua. When you didn't have the Shavua, Kiva says, still you have to give it to the hand. Rabbi Tarfim holds, you don't have to. But he agrees, in the, as in the case of our mission, when he first swore falsely, that then you do have to give it to the guy's hands. My time, what's the reason? Because the Amakra, the Pasuk says, La'ashehu to the one that it is, you should give it to him on the day of the negligence, which is, as the Pasuk there, the context is talking about, Shavula Shekha, Shavula Shekha, then you're having agrees. But Rebbe Kiva, he says, Avagav, even if, you're right. The halacha, the pasuk is only said after Shavua, but the rabbis penalize him even if he didn't swear falsely, still he has to give it to his hand. And after Rabbi Kiva says it, you have to give it to the chamish the Adam, even if it was without a Shavua. Now, however, the Gemara asks on the Mishnah, the way we're saying that it's only if you said a Shavua, then you have to give it to his hand. If you didn't give a Shavua, you don't have to. And we just explain that it's going like Rabbi Tarfin. On that, the Gemara asks, but Rabbi Tarfin mechti. But let's see, according to the interpretation of Rabbi Tarfin, the whole halacha of swearing falsely is it doesn't work the liabilities that the Pasuk says which we're bringing the Lasha who you have to return to the guy himself it's not enough that he swore falsely it has to have the component of admission too because the whole halacha of denying and what the Pasuk mandates is only when you also admit as the Pasuk says in Bamid regarding the context of Gezla Ger when you steal from a convert it says and then he admits his sin that's what whole halach applies okay you swore falsely then you admit it then you have to go ahead and give the chaymish all the halachas which Lasha is the halacha that we're talking about of our Mishnah you have to give it to the guy's hands himself even if he's a mother now that has to give him then my ear even but then why again if you tell me the time of a Mishnah is like a tarfin why would it require for us to tell that Allah of returning to the guy himself is only if he swore falsely? Even without swearing falsely, even with just the other variable of admitting your guilt, which again, anyway, the whole Allah of swearing falsely requires Aidah. So what do you need the Shavuah for? Even without the Shavuah, still, Reb Tarifim would hold, you have to return it to the guy's hand itself. Because the time when the Bryce said, Reb Tarifim, Reb Tarifim agrees. Someone says to two people, Gizalti echid mechem mana. I stole from one of you guys a mana. Then he does, I don't know which one it was. You guys had two knapsacks near each other. I took from one of them. I don't know which one it is. You guys don't know. But I don't know. Says of Tarifin, Nason Lazemana, Lazemana. Has to give to this guy a mana and to this guy a mana. Why? As we continue to talk about Kufdalim and Alf, because he already admitted to the guilt himself. And therefore, he's coming to fulfill his heavenly obligation. Now, although obviously the courts cannot hold him liable, and they could only mandate that he puts it in front of them because that's the halacha that Rebbe Tavim is disputing with Rebbe Kiva. But regarding the, the, the heavenly punishment, he's not going to fulfill his obligation until he pays it to both of them, because he didn't return it to the owner itself. So the question then becomes, then why did Rebbe Tarfin, if he's the town of a Mishnah, have to say that there's first a shvua, then there's going to be the obligation to give it to this guy's hand himself, like the case of when you steal from five people, you've got to give it back to the hand itself, if you want to fulfill your heavenly obligation. So then why do you need to have the shvua? which is the obligation of Lasher Hulai, even without that Shavur, Tarifin comes from a different angle and says, just by admitting, you have to then fulfill your obligation. So if you have to fulfill your obligation, what do you need the Shavur for? 
So Elamar Rabbi, rather Rabbi says, Shanimasnitin. You're right, our Mishnah is different. In other words, the t- our Mishnah could be going like everybody, like Rabbi Kiva and like Rabbi Tarfan. And it's not similar to what we had asked originally as we started the Gemara, to the case of when you steal from five people and you don't know who you stole from. Because there, you're right, whether the guy swore falsely or he didn't swear falsely would be the Machlekes Reb Tafin Reb Kiva regarding the Halacha. Reb Tafin holds, you're never obligated to return it to the hand of the guy that it was stolen from. Whereas Reb Kiva holds that you are liable to return it to the guy's hand itself, even if you did not swear falsely. Now, the question the Gemara had originally asked was, if the town of Mishnah is like Reb Kiva, then even if there was no Shvua, then you should have to return it to the guy's hands. So why does the Mishnah say, if you're saying it's like Reb Kiva, that you have to have a shu'a l'shaka first. And that's what Rav is addressing there, saying that's not a difficulty. Because there, the halacha is that even if he didn't swear falsely, Rib Kiva said that you have to return it to each and every one of those five, because we don't know who he stole from. So therefore, he's not going to fill his obligation until he returns it to the guy's hand itself. But says Rav here in our Mishnah, it's talking about the kibim the yad l'vangazla, he knows who he stole from. And he admitted to him that he stole from him. I mean, he first swore falsely and then he admitted. Now, since it's possible to return the money to the owner, because he has the money over here ready to return, this is the, the, the lambdas that Rav is explaining that happens in the case of our Mishnah. So it says, if the victim tells the goslin, okay, it should be for me in your hands. Look, you have my stuff. We know that you stole from it. Okay, I'll get it from you. Now, Hilkach, therefore, the ramification is as follows, which is the reasoning for the halacha of our Mishnah. When he's nishba, when he swears falsely, then then even when he tells him, look, I know you stole from me. It should be for me in your hands. But but since now he wants an atonement, that's not going to help until it reaches to the hands of the guy that he stole from. Why? Because that's what the Torah tells you when you swear falsely and then you admit, then you have to return to the guy himself to return to fulfill the halacha HaShabbos Ekzela, only then could you have your atonement. Now, that's why the Mishnah says when you swore falsely, although you had it and there was no obligation of returning to him, but now if it's for, the, for the kapara, you have to return to him. But if he didn't swear falsely, then it's like a deposit by him, until he comes and that he takes it and therefore in such a case you would not have to go all the way to Madai. So when a guy stole, then the guy knows you stole from him. So if you admit, so fine, you have to return the Gzela, but you don't have to go after him because the guy says basically like, okay, hold on to it. You know, we know you took it illegally, but I know it's by you. So I'll get it from you one day. So then you don't have to return it to him, to his hands. But when there's a Shvula Sheker, then it already involves a sin that was done, which the Torah tells us that you need to have an atonement for that, which it says over there you need a chaymish, you need a carbon ashim. Additionally, there is la shehulai, that then you have to return it to him for that purposes. That's where the Gemara is telling us, where unlike the case of Rebbe Kiva and Rebbe Tarifan, which was told that you don't know who the guy is, then Rebbe Kiva says, yes, then you have to return to the guy's hands in all situations, even without a shvul, because you're not fulfilling your obligation of returning to the guy. In the case of our Mishnah, the guy, you, you already fulfilled your obligation even by just holding it on because you already admitted to the guy. He knows it's his in your hand. So that fulfilled Hashav as But when you swore falsely, that's the difference. We're both according to B'kiva and B'tarfin. Then already, then you have the, the ter obligation of a Shehulai, 
which would be requiring to have to go ahead and give it to his hands because then you're already involved in the kapara that you need and that's only available after giving it back to the hands of the guy himself.